Hello, humans and other sentient English-speaking species. I'm David DeRoche, and this is QCast. This is our second episode of QCast, a podcast produced by Quinnipiac University students and hosted by me. I'm the director of community programming here at the university. Each week, we try to bring you important, fascinating, and fun stories that impact people's lives and also reflect the values shared between the university and everybody around us. In this episode, I interview Quinnipiac journalism professor Ben Bogardis, who recently won an international award for a podcast he produced about food insecurity in Hamden. His podcast is called Hunger in Hamden, and you can listen to it and this podcast by visiting qu.edu slash podcast or subscribing on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Do you have an idea for a podcast episode? Find us on Twitter at QUPodcasts or shoot us an email at QUPodcasts at qu.edu. Hello, I'm David DeRoche here with Ben Bogardis, a professor in journalism here at Quinnipiac University. And we're here talking about Ben's awesome award. This is so cool, Ben. Won an award for a podcast, uh, Hunger in Hamden, that you did over the summer. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about the podcast and how it came together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh over the summer, we were uh, designing the podcast studio. We were trying to decide how we're going to really connect it to the community. So the university really wanted some uh, episodes ready to go where we actually go out in the community. We talk to people. We show what the university is doing to help Hamden and what Hamden is doing to uh, sort of improve itself. And so we came up with the idea of spotlighting some of the hunger initiatives. There's a lot of things going on at the university, which is you know helping people in Hamden in their daily lives. And the hunger is uh, one thing. We have uh, several programs going on and we really wanted to you know spotlight those and uh, go out in the community and really uh, talk about the good things going on and you had some really great voices I mean I feel like one of them uh, was really compelling it was a student mm -hmm. I, he was in your class apparently we were just talked about this before the show um, that there's a student in your class tell us about him and his story yeah, absolutely. So uh, Daquan Stuckey, he was a broadcast journalism student. I had him in my TV news production class where we put on a TV newscast each week. And uh, he was, you know, going through the roles. He was doing great. But, uh, you know, physically, he, he looked very thin to me. I never really put it together until uh, I actually interviewed him for this uh, podcast. He had previously spoken to you know another professor about this. So I reached out to him and he said that he actually was food insecure. He was going hungry and he didn't even realize it. Uh, you know, living off campus, he didn't have a meal plan. He uh, didn't, uh, you know, feed himself the way he should. And he eventually collapsed. He had to go to the hospital and the doctor said that you are way underweight. Your, you know, uh, blood uh, chemistry is way off and you're going to die if we don't uh, fix this right now. And so they, uh, you know, embedded him. They gave him treatment. They gave him a meal plan. They gave him you know, things to help him get better. And when I spoke to him, uh, the first time I'd seen him in about a year and a half, and it was just shocking how much better he looked. He was stronger. He had more energy. Wow. Uh, so it just really shows the, the impact that hunger has on people. It's something that you may not even know that you uh, are food insecure, that you are hungry, but it really impacts your health, your life, your uh, everyday activities. And seeing the before and after with him was just uh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, his, his story is, is, is truly incredible. And 
And I think for me, and I think for a lot of people, hearing your your work was like kind of eye opening. I don't think a lot of people make that association that you know there is hunger or food insecurity, which we can talk about in a little bit after yeah. we hear um, from Daquan. I want to hear you. You got him on record. You had him talking about his story, and let's hear from him himself. The reason I got into the food work is because I became food insecure and I didn't re- realize it until my lung collapsed and I go to the hospital and the doctor goes, yeah, your magnesium levels are low. You're very, very thin. Uh, have you been eating? It's one of those things where I was in college. I didn't have a meal plan because I lived off campus. Colleges are so expensive. For, for me, trying to incorporate school, learning, everything, stress on top of not knowing I didn't have enough food, you know, my body going into this shock. And I was in the hospital and uh, he's like, oh yeah, all your all your basic uh, body functions are really low. Are you eating the right amount? And then we go over this food chart and, and, and getting my getting back healthy to the healthy 175 that I am now. Leaving the hospital, I was 122 pounds. Going in, I was 110. Uh, leaving the hospital, I was 122. Looking at the pyramid, literally looking at the food pyramid all over again, like we're in like kindergarten, first grade. Say, these are your healthy food groups. These are the proteins that you need, things like that. Mm. The other uh, great thing about uh, Daquan is that, you know, it's the beginning of that. He mentioned, you know, when I got into the food work. So what he did after graduation, he actually uh, joined up with the uh, United Way in New Haven and he helped run food trucks for uh, people in the community. So he you know, sort of used his experience to better relate to the people he was serving in the community. And he uh, did that uh, for about a year, he, just all over the uh, Hamden, New Haven area. He really helped people. And he goes on uh, a little later in that podcast talking about some of the people he met there and the impact that their stories had on him. Mm, that's an incredible story. Um, I, I love that. And, and just... Also harrowing, you know, hearing him telling, he's saying that he's at 175 and was at 110. I mean, I can only imagine what that's like. And, and, and you know, as you're saying, you know, students, you know, uh, um, going to school, working, doing multiple things and, and not really understanding what that impact has on their health. Um, and, and in this case, it just kept snowballing, snowballing. And, and luckily he was able to get help and, and turn himself around. And, and now look at him. Now he's, he's, yeah, he's helping exactly. people learn about it. Exactly. And the other thing is, uh, you know, someone else in the, uh, the podcast, I talked to one of the uh, United Way workers, you know, he makes a point in saying when people think of hunger, they think of people not having food. And that's really not the say the worst part of it. And obviously there are people who can't afford food and, you know, they can uh, you know, have problems with that, but it's really people who don't have enough food or don't have enough good food or is making a small amount of food last an entire day because that's a pervasive problem that keeps going on and on and on. There's no big you know, thing that you know, they can uh, point to, but it's just over time, it wears a person down. Right. And I, and I think that's something I also learned too, is that, you know, there are levels of hunger and there is this, you know, food insecurity, I guess is the, is, is the, term, the term they use. Right. right. And so when you think about not just, you know, not having food to eat, but what are you eating? How often do you eat? Do you, you know, where's your food coming from? And all these sorts of things are, are things that, you know, I think your podcast brought to light. I, I definitely think, you know, how you sort of approached hunger and talking about the various aspects of it, um, you know, where food comes from, how often people can eat it. And I, I really liked, I think it was, the, was it the Keefe Center where they had that, the, the light system, like the green, yellow, red light system. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. The Keefe Center's uh, the community center in Hamden. It's uh, down Dixwell near the uh, New Haven line. So uh, what they do is that they, a few years ago, decided to reimagine their food pantry. They looked at uh, what other uh, communities around the country were doing, looked at some best practices. And some of those things, they uh, mark the uh, food with the red, yellow, and green. You know, everyone knows from stoplights, but you know things where you can see green, 
you know, that's a great thing. Be healthy, be nutritious. Uh, you know, yellow, you get a little of it, but don't make it the most of your diet. And then red, small amounts. So don't uh, load up on that. So someone who's, you know, may not, uh, you know, have experience with, you know, quality food because they've never had it in their community before can see that. And it's just an easy reference. And another thing that they do, uh, which is different, is that instead of, you know, your standard uh, food pantry where you imagine someone going up to a a little door knocking and getting a box of uh, macaroni and cheese, instead they set their uh, pantry up like a, a supermarket. They have aisles of food and someone goes with a basket and they pick what they want. So they can pick things which are sort of culturally appropriate for them and their family. They can pick things that they like, not just uh, take whatever is available to them. And it's also uh, great because uh, ShopRite, the local supermarket, one of the other professors I profiled in this, uh, she every week drives to ShopRite, gets uh, a lot of uh, food that uh, would otherwise go to waste, things that they've taken off the shelves, puts it in her van, takes it over to the Keefe Center, and that uh, makes up the uh, large amount of the uh, food in the food pantry. So Mm. it is real food that they could have gotten in a grocery store. Very cool. And I think also there's probably... um uh, a little bit of, 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 of shame when people have to feel like they have to go to a food pantry. And in this case, it maybe it's less of that because they feel like they're actually in a, in a shopping environment where they're picking out what they want rather than being forced to take whatever's available. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, it, it, it empowers the people uh, who are going there who already are maybe, uh, you know, not feeling as you know empowered or maybe feeling embarrassed or mm. uh, as failure. If they go there, it seems more like a shopping experience. They get to choose what they want. It really makes it something that is positive for them rather than a negative. I have to go ask someone else for food. Right. And it definitely takes that sort of idea of aid to the next level. And I think that's that, that, that seems to be where, you know, uh, some agencies are going. They're trying to not just provide aid, but make it more of a, a situation where people feel like they are helping themselves. And I think the, uh, the dinner for dollars, another example of that. It's not a free dinner. You actually do have to pay the dollar, exactly. pay the dollar. to get the dinner. So tell us about that program. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, program. It's a, a church uh, also on uh, Dick's Wells across from uh, Hamden Town Hall. Every Friday night, they uh, have volunteers create a pretty elaborate meal. I mean, this isn't, again, not your, you know, yeah. uh, macaroni and cheese, you know, I heard them talking about it. I was yeah, like getting it's, hungry. it's like, real food. And they even have some uh, restaurateurs in the community who uh, come in and help and donate and things like that. Love so you that. have this real home cooked meal in a place where everyone is welcome. And the great thing about the dinner for a dollar is that they, it's not just for poor people. You know, they, they make it a point to say, you know, this is not a soup kitchen. This is not a, uh, you know, thing where, you know, we just open the door and, you know, let uh, people in. It's everyone is welcome. They don't ask, you know, can you afford it or not? They don't really care where you are in life. They have a lot of people there who uh, were older and were you know, lonely, lived alone, and they just loved that community, that sense of uh, sharing a meal with someone, someone that they've missed. You know, we had families with young children who came in because it's socialization for the children. You know, we had uh, church members who, you know, come in just because they, you know, like to talk to people and have that uh, sense of community. So it's, it's really a way, again, to destigmatize uh hunger in that, you know, if you go there, you can't assume that anyone there is hungry. They could be there because they like the companionship. They like the the meal. They like the ministry, whatever it is. So it's it's not just one thing that brings people there. 
And I, I love that about your piece is you really emphasized that it was about a community building, not necessarily about um, you know, the food was sort of a way to get the community to come together. And the fact that, you know, people can come there and not feel like, you know, they're being looked down upon that people that a lot of people are coming there for that community aspect. And I feel like that that's just so cool. And uh, you also sent us some voices from that story. So let's, let's play some of those. Some, uh, these are folks um, talking about the dinner for a dollar program. Yes. When you go by here and see dinner for a dollar, it's dinner for a dollar. And it's it's top-notch stuff. You're a fool when you walk out of here. And if you're not full, it's not their fault. The price of a dinner's not bad. <laughs> well, you might get a dinner for a dollar, a nice dinner, and dessert. Every time it's a different different dinner. And uh, the, the uh, dinners are amazing. <laughs> well, restaurant, it, it would be, uh, you know, many times that you usually get ham or, or roast beef or something like that. It's a great dinner, and uh, uh, they give us uh, some things like bread and uh, pastries to take home even after. It's a well-balanced meal with vegetable, protein. There's even a dessert. You like the desserts, right, Natalia? Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a nice, it's a lovely meal. She enjoys coming. You know, she looks forward to it. She looks forward to playing with her friends, eating the dessert. <laughs> Because you like the dessert a lot. Well, you just say that again. Oh, I said it twice, you're right. I said it twice. <laughs> How dare you say that twice? <laughs> I, I, what I love about that clip is uh, there's so many diversity of voices, right? Absolutely. Ages, Absolutely. families, like, it, it, I love Situations, yeah, and, right. and you don't know anything about these people either. Right. It's, a, it's a universal story. Right. You know, each person there is saying something that you can relate to. Absolutely. I love that. So, um... Tell us about, you know, finding these folks. I mean, I can imagine going there, um, you know, as you're obviously you're a journalist, obviously you're used to talking to people. Um, but situations like this, you know, you have to understand that, you know, there might be some people who be sensitive about talking about it. But it didn't seem like that was a problem. How was it going into these places and getting folks to open up to you? Uh, actually, it was surprisingly easy. The dinner for a dollar, actually, the uh, uh, the minister in charge you know, set me into you know one corner of the room, and he literally brought people over to me. Wow. He found the people. He you know knew people who had great stories and would be willing to talk about it. And it was just I, I sat there and I just had a rotation of people coming through and telling stories, and no one had a bad story. Wow. And that was the most fascinating thing. You, you know, the cliche everyone has a story. Everyone in that room had something to talk about, whether they came there as a volunteer and what it means to them, whether they you know, came there for the meal, what it means to them, whether it's you know seeing the volunteers caring about other people and what that meant to them. You know, everything, everyone there, you know, really uh, brought something different to the, uh, the story. Mm. So I imagine maybe the challenge was figuring out who not to put into the piece. Yeah, what no, exactly. Like? Exactly. And, and that was, like I said, that was the hardest part. When I finally sat down to listen to all of the uh, sound and edit it together, you know, I really had to make some hard decisions sometimes. I, that uh, clip you played there could have easily gone on for about four minutes, but I had to actually decide, okay, you know, we've had enough, we've heard enough, uh, you know, I need to cut this off at some point. But, you know, I, ideally, I could just play that on for five more minutes. That's so cool. I love that. You know, it was amazing. One of the, um, I, I believe it was the minister, um, the guy who runs the uh, the um, the Dinner for a Dollar program, I, I, I think they said they've only closed once in like, since they've, because of like a blizzard or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not had dinner he, he, once. They were very proud to say that every Friday night they are there 
regardless of the weather. The only time they've ever not had it, had to cancel it, was uh, during a blizzard uh, a few years ago. I think it was 2012 mm-hmm. or so, uh, where Hamden got the uh, most snow of any uh town in the, uh, the well, that's state a good in excuse. A exactly that's a good <laughs> excuse but you know every holiday they're there wow. they you know do a special meal at thanksgiving and christmas to again bring people in who may not have any support system or at home or may otherwise you know just be alone during that time wow so um how much audio did you gather so you're talking about difficulty to cut it together like do you do you have a rough idea like how many hours or like what do you think if you had to give an estimate. Yeah, I'd say it's probably close to three hours of wow. raw audio. Just because uh, when I did these interviews, I you know would go to these people. So I you know, took my uh, big podcasting mic and my computer and mm-hmm. set it up. And then I just had a conversation with them. You know, and that's, this isn't uh, you know, like journalism in the sense that I'm going with a mic, asking three questions, getting three sound bites, and then moving on. You know, this is really podcasting is really about the conversation. It's really about the people's story. So right. you don't want to rush. And I knew I could, you know, cut down the interviews. I could, uh, you know, take out uh, parts to make it a better story. Uh, I'll stay true to what the person was saying. So it was just a way to just, you know, put the the pressure off of someone to say something good in the beginning. Yeah, I would just talk to them. And in fact, one of the people I talked to, you know, he, he was a little over anxious he the first question he spoke for 20 minutes straight nonstop. <laughs> wow. I, I didn't even have you know time to jump in and you know redirect him so wow. yeah, people especially for a topic like this you know they're very passionate about what yeah. they're doing and uh, they really had to have great stories to tell and sometimes you just have to let that flow and uh, not rush it yeah yeah I, you know it, you're right i feel like in a story like that when somebody does want to go off on a tangent, why interrupt? I mean, if it's a politician, then it's a little bit different. Like, hey, wait a minute, let's get back to the point. But in situations like this, I, you know, I, I feel like you probably got some good stuff. Out of oh, his, yeah. His, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Love that. So for a, a, a person doing this work, did you learn anything that was like, oh, wow, I, I didn't know that was going on? Like, tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing that uh, really struck me the most was the the innovation in this area of uh, fighting hunger. You know, the uh, United Way put out a, a great report about hunger in Hamden where they actually look at the t- statistics. They look at, uh, you know, how big of a problem this is, what's causing it, and how can we improve it. And, you know, the Keefe Center, you know, working to innovate by changing up the way they do the food pantry, by the uh, dinner for a dollar, you know, making it specifically a non-stigmatization uh, of uh, hunger and that, you know, people can come there if they're hungry, they can come if they're not. Doesn't matter. Um, you know, even here at the university, uh, one of the federal journalism professors, Amy Walker, did an entire class, a uh, Hamden Hunger Project, where they set up a listening booth in the uh, main library in Hamden, where the community members can go in, push a button, and respond to a prompt about the prevalence of hunger in the community. And uh, some of those uh, clips I you know, played in uh, episode three, you know, really are emotional stuff. I mean, uh, one woman who uh, just signed up for food stamps the day she recorded this, you know, children who were saying, you know, my life is so privileged. I, I didn't realize that there are people who don't have enough food or can't just open the pantry. You know, I, another person was uh, speaking about how you know, now she's you know, fine, has all the food she needs, but when she just uh, you know, was starting out in life, she didn't. And so she can really relate to uh, people's journey in this sense. So there's really a lot of stuff going on in the community that uh, you know, people don't know about and they should know about. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I gleaned as well is, is, is how 
we are sort of tackling this issue from a different angle. And I think it's it probably has something to do with just the, the definition of the problem, right? Looking at it as food insecurity rather than hunger, which seems very narrow, but food insecurity encompasses a lot of different things. And so then when you sort of broaden the problem, it seems like your solutions become more innovative. And I, it's fascinated me that, yeah, that, we're at, that we're at this level. I love that. Um, so how, how did you feel about the turnout? Did you wish you could have done more in terms of the episodes? Do you want to keep, do you want to keep going? And you and I have talked about maybe continuing the series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, next, uh, summer I'm planning on doing, uh, three more episodes. There's nice. other new things going on. Like for instance, uh, here at Quinnipiac, uh, we have a food rescue program now where some of the dining hall food that would otherwise go to waste is now being given to, uh, you know, different food pantries around the area. The uh, Albert Schweitzer Institute at Quinnipiac is uh, working with the Keefe Center for develop a community garden where they would actually grow their own vegetables, which they would then give away at the uh, food pantry there, which is a great story. When I was doing this podcast, they were just in the very, very early stages of putting that together. So I'd really like to, uh, you know, check up on that again. And also, you know, look at some of the, uh, you know, uh, things that the uh, United Way is doing uh, food pantry wise, but also things that they've done at the, that point. It'll be nearly two years since the, uh, or actually one year since the hunger report came out. You know, what has changed and you know, has this really made an impact? Mm. You mentioned the community guard, so I was hoping to get the inside scoop on that, but uh, you still got to follow up on that yourself. What, yeah, like, yeah, what absolutely. The deal is. So they started, I think, over the summer, right? Yep, hopefully. They were, yep, hopefully over the summer. And uh, the idea is that a uh, intern from Quinnipiac would uh, help run it to do the administrative stuff and that people in the community would actually volunteer to do the gardening. Awesome. So someone could, you know, go there and, uh, you know, plant the tomato plants, you know, water it, you know, fertilize it every once in a while. And then uh, by the time that, you know, harvest time comes around, they do can have this, you know, fresh vegetable that was grown locally. and. They can, it, again, it's, it's healthy food, it's homegrown food, and it's something that you know, different than just getting a box of macaroni and cheese yeah. from the food pantry. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, you know, I, those, you, know, you see those memes like, um, you know, as kid and kids where food comes from and they're like cans. You know, and, and, and you know, you, we laugh about it, but if you, you, you know, so many people don't have no idea that, you know, what it takes to actually create the food that we eat. And I feel like making it yourself goes so far and sort of just knowing what it requires to actually do it, to take care of the food and then actually consuming it and the pride that comes along with knowing that you put this thing in the earth and now that you're consuming it. There's so many cool things about that. I love that. So very cool. So we'll have to follow up with you on the community garden. Yeah, absolutely. I want to see that. Is that going to be, uh, do you know where it's supposed it's to be? It's going to be at the Keefe Center. Be at the Keefe Center. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. I love this stuff. This is so cool. Um, was there anybody that you sort of, anybody that you came across who was like, this was really, really inspiring that sort of, you were like, wow, like this is just uh, really like what you're doing. Anybody stick out? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, professor Sue Hud from, uh, Quinnipiac. She's the yeah. one who picks up the food at the grocery store, takes it to the, uh, the Keefe center because she was doing this on her own time over the summer. She has a class where she uh, brings students to the Keefe Center where they, you know, talk to the people, they meet them. They, you know, it's a sociology class. So they're, you know, examining, you know, race and social stratification. And, you know, a lot of students at Quipiac, you know, a lot of them are, you know, from well-off families. They've never seen this, uh, uh, you know, type of uh, lifestyle that some of the uh, clients at the Keefe Center have. So uh, she's doing that with her class, but even over the summer, she's so committed to it. She's doing it in her own time. And um, she, uh, borrows a van in one of those, you know, large multi-passenger vans and drives it over there herself. So it's, awesome. it's, it's, yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, she really feels so passionately about mm. 
that she can, uh, you know, does it again on her own time. And that really speaks to the, uh, the the good works that a lot of people are doing. And I think the flip side of, of hunger or food insecurity is food waste, right? I mean, and you're alluding to that, like how many, you know, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, you know, how many millions of pounds of food get thrown away for, you know, ridiculous reasons. I think figuring out ways we can not waste food and feed people it just makes so much sense. This is great. So, you know, we've been talking so much about the, the work. We didn't talk about the big award. So tell me uh, yeah, what it was like yeah. when you realized that you won. Yeah, oh, no, it was great. It's great. The uh, the award is a award of excellence from the um, uh, Festival of Media of Arts at the Broadcast uh, Education Association. Okay. BA is a, uh, a academic group of uh, journalism, mass communications, communications professors. And every year they have this Festival of Media Arts where they uh, recognize work creative work done by uh, professors, you know, sort of bringing your expertise into the uh, classroom. And so, uh, you know, I submitted the the podcast in the uh, documentary category, and uh, it was just announced a few weeks ago that they uh, won the uh, basically second place in the category. That's so pretty it, awesome. It was great, yeah. I, That's an international I, I, award I, I, too, right? Oh, yes, yes. International competition, professors from all over the world, and um, just, you know, I do when they posted the things and you know you, your heart sort of you know flutters you're going yeah, down yeah. and you know i saw you know my name there and it was just really gratifying that yeah. something that i did and felt so passionately about and the stories were so uh, compelling that it was recognized by other uh, professionals people who also teach this stuff right. as being something which is you know quality and uh, really uh, beneficial to society well congratulations well deserved amazing podcast i highly recommend it the podcast is called hunger in hamden you can get it at qu.edu slash podcast again professor ben bogardis is with me he is a journalism professor at quinnipiac university and we're talking about his uh his podcast and the award that he won i'll bet i am a little bit upset because you know you led the podcast uh charge and you've won an award and now the pressure's on now that i'm doing the <laughs> podcast program i'm like oh crap now i gotta step up my game but i'm glad you set the bar high i think that's awesome if people are experiencing food insecurity or hunger we mentioned the keith center we mentioned the dinner for a dollar are there any other resources that you recommend people look out for uh, yeah, one of the things that uh, I hear over and over again is, uh, you know, call 211, the uh, community service line in Hamden, and they'll put you in touch with uh, the resources that you need. You know, every person's needs are different. So you can explain to a, a real person, you know, where what you need, and they can you know, point you to the different programs and different resources uh, available in the community. And, you know, again, dinner for a dollar, one of the great things about that is every Friday night, and you just walk in, pay a dollar, and you get your dinner. So there, yeah, that's the easiest uh, thing uh, to do. And if you want to get you know involved with the the volunteer work, the uh, United Way always has uh, great programs going on. So just uh, you know, give them a call, send them an email, and I'm sure they can uh, poke people up with uh, some great things that people are doing in the community. That's awesome. Um, so dinner for a dollar. Where can people? Where do people go for that? Yeah, it's at uh, Grace and St. Peter's Episcopal Church. It's basically right across the street from Hamden Town Hall, Very at cool. the corner of uh, Whitney Avenue and Dixwell. And the Keefe Center is. And the Keefe Center is uh, further down Dixwell. It's uh, uh, about a quarter mile across the uh, New Haven border. Okay. So just keep going down Dixwell. Okay. From uh, uh, Town Hall, be on your right. Awesome. And if obviously listeners are probably online, just Google it. It'll tell you how to get there. Um, dinner for a dollar. Have you been, I, I noticed in the podcast they invited you to stay? Did you take them up on their offer? Yeah. 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 Then the meal was excellent. What'd you the, have? The, the people who were there basically, you know, they weren't lying when they said it. You yeah. Know, they they had a a, a great uh, meal of um, was it barbecue chicken night? Bar- it was barbecue chicken night. 
website and they also had a, a great dessert. This was uh, in August. So they had uh, basically uh, berries, fresh berries Ooh. with cream and a shortcake. It was, it was the, right. the dessert was the best part of the meal. Right, Tom, I, I have to agree with that little girl there. We're going to dinner for a dollar this Friday. Yep. It's going to happen. Everybody can come. Everybody's invited. Professor Ben Bogonis, thanks so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. And thanks so much for your, your excellent work on, on Hunger in Hamden. That was great being here. Thanks for having me. QCAST is a production of the Quinnipiac University School of Communications. Our producer is Tom Conley-Wilson. Elise Velez is our engineer. Nia Brasi de Ferro handles social media. And our videographer is Ben Labadia. Our episodes air each Wednesday morning until the end of the semester. You can subscribe to QCAST on all your favorite podcast apps like Google Play, Apple Music, Spotify, and others. That's QCAST with a K, Q-K-A-S-T. Visit qu.edu slash podcast to learn more about our programming, and you can check out all the other podcasts we're making. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at qupodcasts. Listen next week for our interview with writer and director Elizabeth Dinkova. She recently led the development at Quinnipiac of the play Rage, which is an adaptation of Stephen King's first novel about a school shooting. It's an incredible play, and she's an incredible artist. Please make some time for that conversation. Do you have an idea for a podcast episode? Tweet us at QUPodcasts or shoot us an email at QUPodcasts at QU.edu. Spencer Hoffman did our music. I'm David DeRoche. Thanks for listening.